Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, next week, we'll be jumping into a two-week Christmas series called Simple Christmas. And uh, as I was preparing this week and watching the news and things over the last few weeks, uh, you know, every country's ruled usually by someone, right? Uh, it could be a king, a monarch, a queen, a dictator, a president, um, And how do we know those people care for us, the common people down here? (laughs) Often we know when uh, the the king is riding in or the queen and they stop their carriage or their motorcade and they stop and get out and shake hands and intermingle with the people or go into a local restaurant and say hello or hold a baby. Um, For presidents, we know they care when they there's an expectation of them showing up at these sites where we have fires and natural disasters, walking amongst them, meeting the victims of these things, meeting those whose lives have been turned upside down. Uh, We watch those interactions to see, do do they really care about us, the the common people? And uh, it gives us a good clue of that. And, of course, our nation um, remembered and celebrated the life of President Bush this week. And having lived down in Texas in College Station um, and been to his library and he was around, one of the things he was most known for there was um, in Texas, if you have cattle or you see, and I learned this pretty quickly, if you're driving down the road and you see a cow out in the middle of the street, you make a couple calls. Uh, And they just do that to help one another out and say, hey, who is it? And inevitably, there's a break somewhere in the fence line. And these are acres and acres of fences. And uh, it was said of him that he would go uh, if a neighbor had an issue or anything, and he would just put on his hat and gloves. He'd be right there beside him preparing the fence and fixing it. Uh, He was known to be a man of the people, a man that cared and walked amongst them. And... Today, it made me think of our our passage, even though it's not a Christmas passage, we're in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, the beginning of when Jesus begins to really uh, come amongst uh, the people. And in Isaiah 7, 14, we read, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God dwelling among us. And so Jesus came, born in a manger, leaving behind his throne, leaving behind his position of power. Now, unlike uh, kings and queens, he didn't dip in and come and say hello and then go back to the comforts of his throne or back to his motorcade. He came down as a baby born through Mary and lived his life among us. And for 30 years, that life was really lived in obscurity. People didn't know who he was. When he came on the scene and was baptized and began to preach, we've seen he's got this authority uh, to have miracles happen. Lives change. The, the authority to teach the scriptures, although they knew he was a carpenter, he hadn't been trained in the scriptures. He had authority even to cast out demons with just his words. And then he had authority that he claimed to forgive sins, making himself equal with God. He was amongst the people, touching them, caring for them, listening to them, walking around. And so what does he do? We're going to look at today as he begins to enter in uh, to this world. And 
You know, the funny thing is that most people, even when he began to do this, didn't recognize this was the Messiah they had longed and waited for. Many of them didn't recognize it. And the fact is, it's not much different here today, even in this Christmas season. Uh, George Barna, a researcher in 2015, took a poll and says 90% of people at that time believed Jesus is a historical real person that walked the earth. We have verification for both the scriptures and from just historical writings. Uh, But then of those, only 50% uh, say that he is God. 20% say he was a good religious leader. 18% don't really know. And that's all generations. Uh, Each generation group, that percentage falls lower and lower and lower in those who believe Jesus is God. And so... Uh, God became flesh and walked the streets and entered into public ministry. And as he did so, he began to go out and to invite people to be amongst him and to walk with him. And so we're going to pick that up in Mark, uh, starting in chapter 1, verse 16. I kind of saved this section for us, uh, for this passage to combine with chapter 2. It says this, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired hands and followed him. And then we have, uh, moving ahead here to uh, chapter 2, verse 13. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming with him, and he was teaching them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, or Matthew as we know him, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. You see, Emmanuel came amongst us, and he came amongst us, and he came, and one of the first things that he did was pursue us. He pursued us. He came all the way from heaven and stepped into our world. He took that first step towards us. Even when human beings first sinned, God took the first step back towards us when we rejected him. He set a plan in place, made a promise to overcome the brokenness in this world. This promise is beginning to be fulfilled in in Jesus. He's walking through, and as he does this, he goes up to these men and pursues them. He calls them out to follow him. He invites them and pursues them. God still pursues today. He pursues you and I through his word, through other people, through the still, quiet voice of his Holy Spirit. That's a love that is amazing to me, that God pursues and has compassion upon us. John 3.16 reminds us that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He sent him to us because he loves the world with a love that we cannot fathom Or understand, he sent his son so that we could have everlasting life. I don't know if you've ever been pursued by someone. (laughs) 
for good or for bad, but maybe you're the one they pursued for that position, for that job. Or maybe you're pursued to be on an athletic team or, or you got the part in a play that you auditioned for or a musical. Or maybe you were pursued by somebody sitting next to you today. I pursued for a while. And it feels good to be pursued, doesn't it? You know, somebody wants you and values what you have to offer in life, ask you to come to their table or ask you to come and have a meal with them. There's something special about that. That should tell us something about the God we are here to worship this morning. He's a pursuing God. And we can't feel worthy or entitled. We're being pursued in spite of ourselves. In spite of our weaknesses, God comes walking the streets, serving and loving. You see, as he did that, people began to follow him. They were interested in, in who he is. And as was the custom of that day, if you wanted to learn something, you followed someone. You could have been an apprentice. Jesus most likely was an apprentice to his father, Joseph, who apparently had already passed away before he entered ministry, but he became a carpenter learning after him. Now, those who wanted to learn the scriptures would seek to be following a rabbi around, and they would walk around with their people. Even John the Baptist, as we'll see, had disciples following him. So Jesus had crowds following him, but now he's moving it and giving a little bit more of a personal invitation to uh, certain people. And so Jesus, uh, Emmanuel, pursues us and Emmanuel calls us. And his call is simple. Two words. Follow me. Follow me. It's an invitation to a brand new life. Uh, you can turn there or just listen in, but um, we get a little glimpse of this from John chapter 1. And so we're going through the book of John as a family and reading through it. And, and I was reminded of this and had to look up the timeline. Um, see, in John uh, chapter 1, uh, we see that Jesus in verse 35 is um, standing with uh, two of John's disciples are standing there. And John the Baptist says, oh, look, behold the Lamb of God. Those disciples heard him say this, and they went after Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them, and he said, What are you seeking? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, Come and see. So they came with him and saw where he was staying. One of the two uh, who heard John the Baptist speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus, and he said, you are Simon, you will be called Cephas or Peter, which meaning rock. And so they met Jesus before this moment uh, where they were out fishing. They spent some time with him and uh, uh, were invited to be with him. And then they apparently went back to their home and went fishing. And then he came along and said, follow me. Now, this wasn't the first time he didn't just randomly walk up and say, oh, follow me. They had heard his teaching. They'd encountered him. They'd actually spent time with him. And now he was calling them to the next step of a commitment with him. And so it's a very interesting thing to see. But they were called to follow him permanently. It was a call to uh, commit. <laughs> and following him, they dropped their nets. <laughs> they left their dad out in the boat with the servants, and they walked and changed their whole life and followed Jesus Christ. That was an all-in commitment. 
And uh, I don't know if you've ever been invited to do something where it's all or nothing. It's like you can't really go halfway on it. Uh, jumping out of a plane, apparently once you jump out, you're all in, right? Yeah. <laughs> no turning back. So it was that kind of a commitment. Um, I've been decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. It was going to change their life forever. And as they began to enter into that, um, one of our heartbeats at, is at Incline Church is we want people to wrestle with that question. Not what it means to be a Christian, but what it means to follow Jesus Christ. What does that look like today when Jesus says, follow me? He's not here. We don't drop everything and go with him. What does that look like for us to follow him? We're going to try to flesh that out a little bit today. Uh, For some, that might mean a struggle to overcome religious thinking and checking the box and showing up at church and and doing things to earn God's favor. For others, it might mean overcoming a distrust in the Bible, a distrust in church. Maybe you've been burnt before. For others, it's overcoming our own comfort level. (laughs) Just saying, you know, following Jesus is comfortable right now, but is there something he's calling me to do that is a little bit more than what I've been giving him? Does he want more of me? Um, Still, others may just be in a routine with God, and you're missing on the greater picture of what he's got for you. Follow Jesus. Follow Emmanuel. Walk with him. Obey him. Be on mission with him. And then he makes this invitation. He says, follow me and you will become fishers of men. That word there, the idea of the word become. I love that word. It means to become something wholly new. To be reborn. To have a new life. To become fishers of men means he was changing their mission, their perspective on all of life, their purpose. They were becoming something new, and that something new was fishers of men. Jesus was a master with his play of words, with his parables, and uh, me being a fisherman, I love this section because, you know, I love fishing. But the idea of fishing for men was so tangible to them, this idea of being born to be made to be created anew, a new identity. So Emmanuel, God is with us. Emmanuel, God pursues us. God calls us to follow him. And then we see that God, gospel, it goes through us. That's what it means to be fishers of men. Emmanuel, God's gospel through us. This was the great plan he was establishing uh, through his life, death, and resurrection that we would now take his place and become fishers of men. What an amazing plan God has. Now, I love the gospel of John's reference here because we begin to see this naturally take place. This becoming fishers of men is a natural response when we follow God, when we follow Jesus Christ and his calling. Um, It's amazing to me that immediately we see uh, Andrew try and go and find his brother. (laughs) He needed to tell his family that the Messiah is here. Jesus is here. You've got to come and meet him. And then we see that... um, Philip was found, and and Philip then found Nathanael and told him about Jesus. 
without even knowing it, they are becoming fishers of men. And then in our section here today, one of my favorite stories in all the Gospels of this is Matthew gets called to follow Jesus, and what's he do? He invites all his friends who don't happen to be religious at all, tax collectors and sinners, they are called, to come over for dinner with Jesus. He became a fisher of men by following Jesus. It's a natural outflow. We see that throughout the Gospels. Uh, We see it in Paul's life, but even as Paul begins to reach others. uh, We see with Jesus and the woman at the well, she goes in and she tells her whole community to come out to the well. He hears a man um, filled with uh, tons of demons and he sends them out into the pigs and he says, no, go back and tell people what I've done for you. Lydia, who Paul meets, becomes a key woman in helping the gospel spread because she followed Jesus and then brought others along in the fold. It's this invitation that God's have. It's the unchanging truth of the gospel. God, in his pursuit, brings it to men, women, boys, girls, all walks of life. And once we have that light in us, how can we keep it in and not share it with others? From Jesus to his disciples, his disciples to the church, and from the church to the world. We all can participate in inviting people to meet Jesus, Emmanuel. The church exists for mission, is what we understand. And uh, Christopher Wright, a, a scholar and pastor, says, Jesus did not give a mission to his church. He formed the church for his mission. Without the mission, a church is not a church. We're just a group of disobedient Christians. If we're not fishing for people, we're not obeying the primary call to bring glory to God by pointing out the resurrection of Jesus is real, and he is real. The first church took this promise seriously. They didn't see themselves as building a church for God They saw themselves as God building the church through them and reaching the world. He wants to use us in that same way here today. So following Jesus, it's about discipleship. It's about following him. That's not a curriculum or a a program. The majority of it is informal. It's doing life together. It's following someone who's been following Jesus a little bit longer than you and learning from them, doing life with them, talking about it. You know, if you've uh, entered into that relationship with Christ, you have enough to begin to help somebody else with their next step, whether it's learning to pray or read the scriptures or, or applying and helping one another obey what the Lord teaches or whether it's just simply sharing your story of how you came to know Christ. We firmly believe that you are all equipped to be a part of this mission. Now, we have different roles, but not all of you have to go to seminary and get, study all of this and stand up front on a Sunday. Every role is just as vital in carrying out this mission to follow Christ and to become fishers of men. Here at Incline, we use this term. We say, well, who are you investing in and who's investing in you? That's two pretty easy questions to see where you're at in following Jesus. Who's investing in you? And then who are you investing in? Follow me, fish for men. 
We can do that. We can help one another along. After all, uh, Jesus made the investment in those few he called to be his disciples so that they could then invest in others. The famous navigator, Dawson Trotman, challenged his generation. Uh, He says, in every Christian audience, I'm sure there are men and women who have been Christians for 5, 10, 15, even 20 years. And he turned and he said, and Carla can probably quote it here because she worked there. Women, where is your woman? Man, where is your man? Boy, where is your boy? Girls, where is your girl? You, who do you have that you've invested in that is now investing in someone else? Who do you have that is walking around following Jesus Christ because you cared enough to invest in them? That was a great challenge that led to a great ministry that has changed many lives, especially on college campuses. You see, I love this section here because Matthew, uh, Levi, afterwards, he's in verse 15, it says that uh, as he reclined in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You might read this if you were to catch the tone here in the original language. It would be, Those who think they are well... Don't think they need a doctor. I came for those who realize they need a savior. And I love how Jesus was willing to step into, and that culture was one of the most intimate settings, would be to share a meal. Who shared a meal with mattered. And he was willing to step in with these tax collectors and sinners and bring some light there. And Matthew wanted them to know who this man is. We see even in the uh, other parts of the gospel, uh, Zacchaeus, a tax collector who would often cheat people like many of them to make his own living, was so convicted by the gospel, he began to repay people and uh, pay back everything he had stolen from them. And I think this is a key picture for us to see how follow me happens. It happens from family member to family member, from friend to friend. It happens when we naturally get together in the rhythms of life with people who are far from God. We live in community with him. And so uh, one of the things we have as we walk through this is we have these steps we encourage you to take. The first step is just pray and watch. Who is it that God would have you invest in? Pray and look. Pray and wait on the Lord. As Pastor Bob said, wait on the Lord. Wait and see what doors he opens up, what opportunities he brings. But the idea of watching is living your life in anticipation of, God, where would you use me today? Who can I encourage? Who is it that that you want me to invest in? Or who is it that I can help take one step closer to Christ? And then we say, after that, look for opportunities to connect in relationship. There's natural ways you can eat together. Uh, We all love to eat. We can celebrate together and recreate. Um, We have birthday parties. We have Christmas parties. Invite neighbors in. As part of our uh, small group study is uh, that uh, picture of the art of neighboring and just loving your neighbors, inviting them in. You'll be praying for me. We have uh, 
a new family or a couple or something moved in this week in the middle of uh, the snow and everything and haven't gotten to meet them yet. They might have moved in and left. I haven't seen cars, but we're going to go and try and meet our new neighbors. It's one of the part of living in this area that I love is uh, if you have a neighbor that's a little rough on you, they're eventually going to leave. But if you, have, you always have a new opportunity for new neighbors to get to meet them. And so I really enjoy that blessing. But we can serve, look for ways to serve with other people and then empathize. If people are going through a hard time, especially this time of year, if you, I've rarely ever been refused. And can I pray for you? Or can I pray for that? Uh, even in the workplace, it, it can be an opportunity to look to say that or, or share that with somebody or even in your schools. And then invite to come and see. Uh, that's what some of them did, they went out and said, hey, come and see who Jesus is. This is a place you can invite to. All of our home groups are a place you can invite people to. You can just invite them over and have another uh, couple who you know follows Christ and just have a conversation about who the Lord is. Uh, we'll have opportunities uh, even coming up this next year. Come and see opportunities, parties in the park here locally, uh, and different things like that where we can have people come and see the community of God and what it's like. Then finally, share your story and God's story. If you've come to know Christ, then you have a story to tell. This morning, you may not have taken that step to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. You may have not answered that call. I can tell you, Jesus is pursuing you. He loves you. He was born for you. He died on the cross for your sins. And he calls us. But the invitation is there. Just like the, the, the men out fishing, the choice was theirs. Are they going to follow Christ or are they going to stay where they're at and go their own way? We've all had that choice. Some of you have made it. Some of you maybe have not to follow Jesus Christ. I tell you, I've never regretted it. It hasn't been easy or perfect. I, I didn't get a, a, a new car, a new house, a new mansion or anything in this lifetime. But God has brought that peace and that hope, patience, kindness, love. His Holy Spirit comes in us. And so then it moves from Emmanuel, God amongst them, to Emmanuel, God in us. Can you imagine that? The Holy Spirit in you. If you're a follower of Christ, he is in you, empowering you to be his witness, to fish for men and women. It's unbelievable, but also empowering you to become a better you because we're going to become more like him. With all these things coming up and saying that you can do this to be better and that to be better, the only thing I know that has ever made me a better person is the work of the Holy Spirit and my submission to him and to the work of Jesus and following him in my life. Emmanuel, God with us. So as we close this morning, I just want to read to you a poem of this idea of Emmanuel. Just, I want you to think about it. Let it sink into your heart of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And to me, what it means that Jesus came down and walked amongst us and cared enough to invite people. And as we'll look at over the next two weeks, to invite common people, fishermen, to follow him. He didn't invite the most influential, the most powerful he invited the despised. He invited the common worker. He invited a political zealot to follow him. Families, brothers to follow him. And he invites you as well. 
O come, O come, Emmanuel, a world waiting for the Messiah to come and dwell. O come, O come, and celebrate the birth of the God-child, born so that with their creator we could be reconciled. O come, O come, Emmanuel, show us where hope can be found. Humbly you left your throne to walk with us on common ground. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus with the broken, the poor, the rich, the hopeless, even the religious. Emmanuel, God pursuing us, Jesus seeking and saving we who are lost, offering redemption at a very great cost. Emmanuel, God calling us, O come, O come, and follow me, the call to be set free, free to follow, free to give him praise, free to be in heaven for endless days. Emmanuel, God's gospel through us, God in us, imperfect, undeserved sinners, through us adopted into the family of God, gifted to be soul winners. O come, O come, Emmanuel, Christmas is here. Will you open up your hearts and let Jesus draw near? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are Emmanuel. And sometimes it does not feel like you're with us. <laughs> but you are. We have hope. No matter what situation we came in here with, whether we were excited about the season or just busy, you desire to be with us. And Lord, if anyone has not heard that call to follow you, may today be the day of salvation. Just grab somebody in here and talk to them. We are all equipped with the good news. We'd love to walk with you. And maybe you've just been comfortable and now God's stirring something in your heart. You need to invest in somebody or you need somebody to invest in you. You're kind of stuck. Take that step. Look at what these men did leaving their nets and, and follow Jesus and don't regret it. Thank you, Lord, for being Emmanuel and loving us enough to come and be with us and pursue us and call us and work the gospel through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, please stand as we sing.